0: Welcome back to episode number twenty-nine of Connection Is Magic. This week, our guest is Ernie Jackson. He's an author and speaker. He's written two books on his son's passing, called Quentin's Legacy and Quentin's Messages. He goes into an account of an accident that occurred in two thousand nine, where him and his family were coming back home from a vacation, and they blew an axle, had to pull off to the side of the road on the highway. And a woman fell asleep at the wheel and ended up driving into him and his family. He lost his son in that incident and his wife had to be revived back to life. He really digs into forgiveness at a level that uh, not many of us will think is possible. And not only that, he explains how he jumped to forgiveness immediately in this incident, um, just an incredibly powerful account of what's possible for us when it comes to forgiveness, which is relatable, I think to every human being across the spectrum, whether it's somebody that you know lied to you uh, over something trivial to the most extreme instances, which is the one we're about to get into today. Uh, I really hope this touches people because it absolutely gave me chills uh, during the interview process, so I'm excited to share this week's episode with you, and here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Connection is Magic. I'm your host, Samson Schulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach. In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtain, we end up feeling lonely and isolated, and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to connection. Okay, so yeah, like a little bit about, you know, how we first cross paths could be kind of Interesting, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, you're going to start us off? I'll start us off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there's a, <laughs> there's like a place called Unity Church here in Phoenix, and the, the word church is a bit of a misnomer because everybody's welcome.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So Unity of Phoenix Spiritual Center.
0: Spiritual Center. Thank you. And it welcomes all people <laughs> of all paths. Buddhist, and that's, Muslim, Jew, anything. And that's why we're there. Absolutely. There's no dogma and there's no judgment. So, first of all... Just a quick little background. Are you, are you an Arizona native?
1: I am not. I was born in New Jersey, spent okay. my first 12 years of my life there, moved to Colorado, a place God. I call God's country, and, and in 1977, and was there until I graduated high school, University of Wyoming on a football scholarship uh, in 83 to 85, then came to Arizona and was in Arizona where I met my lovely wife, moved back and forth from Arizona to Colorado um from two thousand ten to recently actually, uh two thousand and and sixteen, and just finally made the decision I'm not moving back and forth anymore mm-hmm. looking for something that I no longer have. I'm gonna put down roots and Arizona not my home.
0: Mm, beautiful. There's something about putting down roots, man. I'm a I'm a I'm a guy that's moved from Michigan to California to Arizona, so I really connect with you on that. Uh, what is it about putting down roots that can feel kind of scary, man?
1: What is yeah, it about that? Yeah, boy, Samson, you <laughs> nailed it, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm at a point where I've got to get real with myself finally. And, uh, brother, I'm a runner. Mm. Um, it's really easy to run. Yeah. To say, you know what, I, I'm not happy, you've annoyed me, let me just bounce. Yeah. And to finally stand in it, to finally stand in it and face it and deal whatever issues we need to deal with, Mm. you're right, it's scary and I'm tired of running and I'm gonna stand right here and I'm gonna face my issues.
0: Oh, that's beautiful, man. (laughs) I hope hope people feel that one, man. I do. Uh, I don't think we're unique, actually, in that, Mm -hmm. though, right? You know, if you let the dust settle too much, you start to see things that you might not want to see. No,
1: we're not unique. Yeah. We're led to believe that we're unique. Mm -hmm. We're led to believe that um, we're all alone. But that's we're all human beings. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Again, this is what I learned through my son's transition is Mm -hmm. we're here to experience and we're here to learn. Mm. Our lives here are not an accident. Mm. Whatever adversity we're facing is not an accident. Mm. We, you know, how deep do you want to go? Do you want to talk about soul contracts? Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about what you signed up for to yeah. learn X Y Z, which is individual to every individual person?
0: And everybody grows at their own rate, right? Exactly. You know it's not I a mean? race. No, nah, not at all. I feel like I'm better at that, Ernie, when it comes to people that uh, are on the outside of my inner circle. Does that make sense? I feel yeah. like I can almost have less judgment about where they're at in their process. But if it's somebody close to me, then where they're at in their process, you know, triggers me and can throw me off. And that, that's my work, you know. Exactly. Um, that's my work. I feel so, you yeah. I have yeah. that as well. Yeah. It's
1: like your family, you're inside the circle. <laughs> now I hold you to a higher standard. <laughs> well, who am I to hold you to a higher standard just because you're my family?
0: That's right. I want to go into the, you know, the detail. First, we'll start with this macro view. Um, one thought that occurred to me, right, um, the passing of your son, such a, you know, powerful, life-changing experience, and you learned so much, and you, you grew immensely from that, right? And, but I want to know, when your son was uh, here in physical form, what, did, you, did you learn from him then at that point? What did you learn when he was here? I'd be curious before we get into that.
1: Mr. Samson, that's a great question. Um, yes and no. Um, I was like so many men. I was I had a singular focus on providing for my family, mm-hmm. and I defined myself by the roles I played out in society, primarily my job. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I didn't have much left for my family i couldn't share that warm hearted mm. um loving dad, that warm hearted loving person with my family because I was on fumes. Mm. I gave it all I got you to the world I got you and um you know and i you know I've got to own that, yeah, and that's just the reality it was so yeah. um, so
0: that tension then was there sort of this palpable tension then in the home
1: definitely yeah, yeah. um definitely my my daughter. Uh, she's six and a half years older than my son, somewhat intuitive that, I mean, she's in touch with emotions and energy and she could feel my angst when I pulled into the garage Mm. and she would go to her room. I mean, back in the day, I had an unbelievably spectacular, Mm. um, temper Mm.
0: (laughs) Mm. and
1: I had to look in the mirror and say, well, no, Mm. enough of this. I'm not going to be my father. Mm. And, and there's a downside to that because I can pull off the rage, I could turn, turn the rage off, mm-hmm. but then I turn off some of that loving energy as
0: well. You know, I imagine the event uh, of losing your son, my hunch would be, right, when, when, when a couple goes through something as intense as that can be, it would either uh, split the couple up. Or it would drive them closer together. Is that fair to say? That's Can you see both? That's very
1: fair to say, and there, there's there's data on that that some of my friends who, who love us dearly were keen to point out. The data is not very um, optimistic. I
0: most mean, most it's it break 70, up.
1: seventy to eighty percent um, is what I've heard wow. of parents that go through the transition of a child.
0: Um, <sighs> they don't survive it it's too heartbreaking for for people to it is yeah it's
1: it's the big the the key there Samson is we grieve differently
0: mm.
1: you know men and women are different yeah and that the fact the 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 process of grieving differently mm-hmm creates the, the wedge, if you will. Got
0: it. There's some judgment around that than how you're grieving and how I'm grieving, right? Yeah, and There's Christine judgment. and I went through that. You guys I mean, did? Okay. We did
1: in a big way. I mean, wow. Christine grieves the way I wish I could. Wow. She cried for months. Wow. And me, I started talking. And yeah. I... Because I had something to talk about. Getting it out. I had things to talk about. Yeah, and the, you the, wanted
0: to touch people with the story, obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the,
1: the, the facts surrounding the transition of our son were so unusual and spectacular mm. and enlightening that I felt driven to to share them I mean and she called me out it was it was about six weeks after the accident she says you don't even care wow. you don't care you don't care that your son is dead you just want to tell the story I put my hands up and I stepped away and I walked away so this is what the event changed me that radically. It's like 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 okay. Okay.
0: And walked away. Part of this that is gonna be so powerful for the listeners, which uh you know is relatable in so many ways, is this idea of forgiveness um and in reaching the level of forgiveness is many, many don't, many, many don't get there. Is that fair to say? Many yeah, don't that's get there true. That's true. and then they that's walk around say. with this bitterness and this poison inside of them. Right. Right. And it just diminishes their light.
1: Holding on to that anger, holding on to yeah. the pain and unforgiveness is like drink, drinking, drinking poison, expecting yeah. another
0: person. Yeah. Or, exactly. Or this spiritual teacher. I don't know if you've heard of him. Thich Nhat Hanh. He's pretty amazing. Yeah. He talks about this idea of the second arrow. So in other words, we have that first arrow of injury that wasn't our, f- we had no control over that. Well, the second arrow is what we do to ourselves. Exactly.
1: And powerful in many stuff, ways, it's yeah. worse than the first. I want to say that many of us, and, and I did in particular, we get signs, we get precursors before the event.
0: I had that. My father passed when I was when I was twelve. Okay. Um, When he had a massive stroke first, though, when I was eight years old, and something about being that young, I feel like I feel you're really connected because you just came from source, right? You're like nailed it. Is that it right there? Nailed it. (laughs) You've
1: been doing some research.
0: (laughs) You nailed it. I lived in Ernie, so yeah, man. So I was bawling out of control, maybe. 24 to 48 hours prior to this massive stroke my dad had, just for no reason. And there you go. Okay, so thank you. you. So please, please continue. I just want to say I relate. You nailed it. So I
1: had that vibe. Um, My mother-in-law was uneasy. My daughter was uneasy. Quentin, our son, Quentin Stone Jackson, he was different. I mean, we went on our vacation, our annual pilgrimage pilgrimage to be together, Mm -hmm. and he was unusually quiet. He spent a lot of time staring off in the distance. So we're coming home, and we're pulling a trailer. Uh, It was a friend's trailer, and um, fully checked out, new rubber.
0: How many people in the car? Well, there was my wife,
1: mm -hmm. me, my mother-in-law, my daughter, my son. And um, well, my and my well everybody I mentioned my mother in law so it's all of us uh, and Layla uh, Layla is our daughter Cheyenne's best friend so a full car and the trailer we were pulling um, the axle broke oh. and we pull off the road
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're thirty feet off the road. Mm-hmm. I know, because they measured. There was a big, giant, wide pullout that's larger than a football field, basically. Okay. Certainly wider than a football field.
0: So a safe area A to safe area. Because, of, brother, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be safe. Because you know
1: what, man? I'm in control. Right? So I pull off. I told my wife. I said, call our friends. Let them know the trailer. It, it broke. They can come get it in Cortez. And call AAA and have them come get us. Mm-hmm. And... um Actually, we've been having some issues with the trailer, so I was euphoric.
0: <laughs> this, I was like, We're This is kind of a win right here. We're yeah, done yeah, with yeah, the trailer. Yeah, We're six get...
1: hours from home. Yeah. I got this. Um, we start offloading, rearranging. Uh, everybody stayed in the vehicle. I was outside the vehicle. My wife was outside the vehicle. And our son hopped out and was going to change sides when a young lady fell asleep at the wheel. Hmm. About 5.35 in the afternoon. Uh, Wednesday, uh, June 10th, 2009, she was coming home from college, Mm -hmm. no drugs, no alcohol. She was 20 minutes from home and she fell asleep on a curve, went off the road, went in a dip and came out of that dip airborne and took us out. I had my back to the road. We were all on the passenger side that's, of the suburban and hitched that's trailer. away from the road away away even right? the road, yeah, so our vehicle was thirty feet off the road. We were standing approximately forty feet off the road.
0: She- and I had my back. the danger of cars was not even in your brain anywhere, no. probably right, because no, it no. wouldn't be in mine, yeah, 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 no yeah. exactly,
1: so my, I had my back, I had my back to the road. Didn't hear anything. Christine was was standing in the front of the Suburban, um, and she just finished her call, and she screamed, a scream that I had never heard before. And it got my attention and got me to turn, to face, because I had a sense that something was behind me. And this this was... Split second, man. So I was able to turn 90 degrees and take the impact on my hip, as opposed to the small on my back. Oh, my God. Christine saved my life. Wow. So an airborne Pontiac Sunbird hit me on my hip. I've walked up to them on the street. They come to my knee. So this vehicle was about 15 inches airborne. I remember the impact. I used to play football. I know impact. This This was totally different. Hit me and launched me. Um, I don't remember flying through the air I do remember Opening my eyes On the ground looking up
0: You flew you just don't remember I it. flew
1: 15 feet they you measured
0: don't, You don't remember it No,
1: I remember raising my head And seeing a bumper that I didn't recognize Seeing dust Everywhere looking off to my Right and, to my, and forward And seeing my wife's crumpled Body
0: Did she get hit at all or no? She
1: got driven over the top of. Christine saw this coming and was running to the safety of the Suburban and ran right into where the Pontiac Sunbird was bouncing and rolling forward (sighs) and ended up under the car. It compressed on her. A tire went over her, her rib cage. The bumper of the car hit her on her head, bounced again and released her. The Pontiac Sunbird kept going and went down an embankment. Wow. So I land and Nellie's running out of the, my mother-in-law running no. out of the car screaming. And I don't know what she's screaming, but she's screaming and she's <laughs> running to Christine. And I look at Christine and I'm like, OK, Christine and Nellie, they're together. And I roll over and I've had enough property management, enough training to know that. Let me check and see. I'm missing any limbs. I wasn't missing any limbs. I didn't have to do a tourniquet. I roll over and I see my son, who was by himself. So, Christine and Nellie, they're solid. I mean, it's a mess. I thought she was dead. My son's by himself, so I dragged myself over to him. He was beautiful. He just had a gash over his, his eyebrow, his ankle was mangled, his eyes were open. There was no activity in his eyes. It was not blinking, no pupil movement. Um, But he was still breathing. I stayed with him. I mean, but he was gone. His pupils never moved. He never blinked. Over the course of the next 20 minutes or so, his lips began to turn blue as his body wound down. The toughest thing about that was the dirt in his mouth. Mm. I just recently found out Layla... It was an angel. She doesn't know it, but she's Cheyenne's best friend. She was there going back and forth between Christine and, and Quentin and I. And I recently found out that Layla took the dirt out of his mouth when I was turned away because mm-hmm. that was hard. So when Amanda, when she hit and launched me, she was the
0: driver of the car that hit right, hey, you, She went
1: it. under me, hit our Suburban with so much force before she drove over the top of Christine that the whole Suburban and Hitch trailer moved violently. That's where Quentin was. His legs must have been up against the, the front of the trailer because when she hit the Suburban and, and sideswiped it and sheared the doors off, he got whiplashed into the oh. back of the Suburban because his legs were up against the trailer. I know this because afterwards I could see where his head Hit the back of the Suburban and left a big indentation.
0: Wow!
1: And then he fell back down onto the ricochet off the back of the Suburban, and landed on the corner of the trailer, and that's where he got the gash on his forehead. But the forehead. gash
0: was minimal. I the mean, gash more was or less. Like, yeah, the gash. gash was, was minimal. It was the it was the the whiplash effect from such force. Multiple you're saying, blunt right. force
1: trauma is what's on his, his certificate. Yeah.
0: You assumed when you were going over to him, you thought. Um, he was right. just injured, right? Right. Yeah. Right.
1: He was he was still breathing. And he,
0: okay, he was he was still breathing at that he point. He was still
1: breathing. Um, okay. but I mean and I was seeing what my brain wasn't registering. I was seeing that he was still breathing, but I was also seeing that there was nothing going on <sighs> in his eyeballs.
0: Like he was on his way out he was very out. quick. He was very already, quickly, or he was already gone. He was already gone. Christine. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know this yet.
1: No, she didn't find out until she didn't find out until that night.
0: Until that night,
1: yeah. you didn't want
0: her to know, or what? what, No, because both of us were
1: injured. So, Flight
0: for Life came. Okay. And
1: Christine died and came back. I didn't share that. Flight for Life came, and the first responders came, um, and I'm talking to them because there was a couple of them that were working on me. And then there was more of them working on Christine, and there's this dialogue going on, and they're like, well, who do we take in the flight for life? Mm. And I'm guy by that there's point. There's only
0: room for one? Right, I mean, oh my right. God. With the
1: technicians and the paramedics and everybody, there's them, and then there's yeah. the, the, the patient, if you will. Oh. And I'm, you know, at that point, I had, you know, there's a lot I'm not telling you, but at that point, I was... You know, on the ground, there was a blanket over Quentin. I had a neck brace on. And I'm like, you take you take Christine. So we're separated. So Christine's in a helicopter with these paramedics. And, and you're going to every, a different state, aren't all you? All of us, rest of us, are going to Cortez. Where's Where's Cortez again? It's right there in Colorado. Colorado. South, Colorado. Yeah. Okay, okay. So my, my mother-in-law, my daughter, myself, and Layla are all in ambulance going to Cortez.
0: Who out of that group has... Uh, the most serious injured is you, obviously, right. out of that group, Everybody right? Else. Okay. Everybody else. Everybody else is totally fine. Just bumps and bruises because okay.
1: they, they were in the car. I turned to uh, Cheyenne and Nellie, and I'm like, you have got to get to Christine. You have got to tell her that our son's passed away. Well, I didn't want her to wake up by herself. Yeah, yeah, and be told by to, one of
0: the right. the house. I wanted Sammy yeah.
1: there when she woke up. And I wanted her to know. They got a ride from some great people in Cortez. So mm-hmm. Cheyenne mm-hmm. and, and Nellie got a ride to Farmington. And and they probably got there, I don't know, 8 or 9 o'clock. or, And I was there, and I told Layla, Layla, you go with them. I'm fine. I'm pulling the, you know, I'm a strong man card. I don't need anybody. <laughs> yeah. We finally got down there at about 11.30. Nice, amazing th- nurse took us, dropped us off down there, because I'm like, yeah. I got to get to my wife. It's about six hours after the accident.
0: So when something so serious like this happens, and just life life changing like this happens, um, we as human beings, I feel like, have all these pesky little stupid little voices in our heads. Like we worry about the stupidest things at the end of the day. Is that fair to say? I mean, little, little insignificant things like this person didn't say, you know what I'm saying? This person didn't say hi to me or things like that. Absolutely.
1: An event like this changes all that.
0: And it's just like, or I'm behind on this, on my cable bill, these types of things. And you it all just immediately flushes down the toilet completely. And, and, and we're doing this at the time of the Corona pandemic and, a lot of people are probably having that sort of uh, some some taste of that is what I'm saying. Some taste of that.
1: Samson, you nailed it. All of us who have been through some, this form of adversity, whether it's a transition of a child, yeah. or you know, a transition of any loved one, or having an accident, being paralyzed. I lost
0: my dad at 12. That's very heavy. I almost right. died in the hospital from a tumor I had in my head that I didn't know that exploded. I was hanging out, clinging to life for days. So when you go through something that you 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 do, there is some sort of uh, muscles that build up there where you're able to sort of take these things on with more grace. Is that fair to
1: say? For some, for some, mm-hmm. for some, they can learn from it and grow from it. Mm-hmm. Some aren't ready to learn from it and grow from it. I would very, I would dearly love to take their pain away, but some mm-hmm. aren't ready to release it. Some need to hold their pain. Until maybe their next lifetime. Hmm. We all get there in our own journey, in our own time.
0: Why do you think we hold the pain? That's the question.
1: Because that's all we have. I've stood up in front of a group and talked about forgiveness. A group, let's say there were 50 of them in there, approximately 50. Mm-hmm. Mostly couples. Talking to this group about forgiveness. This group all had kids on the other side. I mean... Our kids transition through all manner of mean, an accident, an overdose. Somebody did something wrong and caused. So some people didn't want to talk to me about forgiveness. Some people were very upset with me. I had one woman tell me, are you telling me that I'm supposed to forgive? And I said, no, I'm not telling you that you're supposed to forgive. It's not a box checking exercise. I'm telling you when you get there, it will help you. The decision is yours when you want to get there. That's what I'm saying.
0: How free you want to be. Right. That's the truth. Because nobody wants to be told what they're supposed to do. No, they don't. It's almost like being the change that you want to see in the world. So by right. you having your healing, your forgiveness solidifying, right. and then the next person that went through something similar sees that in you, then they start to get intrigued and they say, hey, what's going on over here? But right. if you, Versus if you were like, no, you got to change this now. That ain't going to work. People just, people just repel against that. Yeah. That's
1: that's judgment. And and that's being holier than thou. You know, and this isn't, I mean, and and we still haven't talked about my forgiveness.
0: I mean, just again, I feel like we got to slow this down. This is all so heavy, Ernie. It is heavy. Um...
1: So we haven't even got to the spirituality
0: yet, man. No, we're getting to that. Okay. So we're getting. (laughs) I I got this. I got this. We're going to get to that. And then of course, I want to get to the process of forgiveness that we'll sort of wrap up with that. That'll be, that'll be good. You know, as a, as a big tough guy, uh, I assume, you you know, you're not supposed to cry, right? So did you let yourself cry? Were there tears coming? I, I
1: I broke down at the accident scene. I mean, it was surreal. It was unbelievably surreal, but I had a moment. Um, where I was standing up, and it dawned on me that my son's no longer here. And I started to ball and hyperventilate, and I said, (laughs) I said, either get out of the way or prepare to catch me, because I'm going down. And, And they helped me get down, and this unbelievable good Samaritan, I wish I could find her. She's right there. She was right there long before the first responders, right there. She had, a, she had like a respirator wow, trying to keep Quentin man. breathing, and wow. she was right there. And at that point. Just
0: a woman that saw the accident right, pulled right. over. That's, I mean, that's. An angel. Yeah, that's an angel So for sure. at this point,
1: Quentin's got a blanket over him that I don't even, um, but I know that he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's left. And now this woman turns her focus on me. Man. And I'm on the ground, hyperventilating. And, you know, I, I don't really care what happens to me. And she's in my face. Mm. She won't get out of my face. She's in my eyeballs. And she's <laughs> saying, breathe. Yeah. Breathe. Oh, wow. Breathe. Breathe, Ernie. Breathe. So that she got me to focus on breathing.
0: Mm. Um, what about the woman that, again, uh, Amanda, correct? Yeah, Amanda. Yeah. Now, what about her obviously she must be damaged as well from uh, physically speaking from that accident right at this point she went off the
1: edge as we're dealing with what we're dealing with she comes up she got out of her car and she walked toward us and she went to christine cheyenne and Nellie first and she saw Christine being revived, my daughter stood up and looked at her and told her, it's going to be all right.
0: First thing your daughter said, that's a miracle, man. That's just a miracle.
1: Now, I'm oblivious to all that because I'm focused on Quentin. But at this point, Quentin's gone Yeah. when she walks over to us. And not a word was spoken, Samson. Not a word. I'm laying on the ground with my son, bleeding. And I look up at her and I look into her eyes. I knew who she was. And I felt her pain. I felt her horror. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And I didn't want her to have that. And I took it. Wow. Not a word was spoken. But I tried to take that from her energetically. And over the course of the two years we demonstrated that.
0: Wow. I mean not a word was spoken. It was just it was just in the air. Right. All of this was just in the air. Right.
1: And this is this is this is a moment, Samson, that I wish I could give everybody who's angry. And wanting to wish ill on other people. I just wish people would understand when I looked into her eyes, I saw my own eyes. Who among us is perfect? Who among us hasn't made a mistake? Who among us hasn't been distracted yeah. and through the grace of God didn't cause an accident? Who among us? This could happen to anybody. A thousand percent true. Anybody. So holding on to rage and anger and unforgiveness t- to anybody is like doing it to yourself because it could happen to you and you can have all that rage pointed in your direction. I looked into her eyes and I saw her. Why did I see her? I wasn't some spiritual being. I'll tell you why I saw her. Going through my, my teen years, violence at home, I talked about my dad a little bit, mm-hmm. my yeah. outlet, was I drove like I was insane. I had a Mm. 68 Camaro, Mm. and I really didn't give a damn what happened to me. I drove as fast as I could anywhere I went, and I had one mantra. Is today going to be my day? And please don't let me take anybody with me. And when I looked into Amanda's eyes, I saw her living my nightmare. And I didn't want her to live my nightmare. But the point, I mean, don't get caught up in the minutiae and 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 the story per se understand the divinity here we are all human beings from the same spark of energy absolutely and why would you want somebody to hurt i didn't want her to carry my hurt give it back to me wow at the accident scene
0: It usually takes, Ernie, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years for people to arrive at that point. It can happen quicker than that. Okay, see, that that fills my soul to know that you can arrive there instantaneously. Now, you just made a comment to say that you weren't as spiritually evolved. You're a very spiritually evolved man today. How did you arrive there so quickly not being spiritually evolved?
1: (laughs) I I don't have an answer for you, Samson. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's roles shifted i mean my wife is an angel in 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 life and she's catholic and she's been been in the church for years and she she it took her two years to forgive
0: now unfortunately not everybody has that gift
1: some of us we're going to retreat into a black hole never to be seen again You may see the physical shell, but you won't see that soul again because they're in a black hole because they haven't walked and connected with somebody like me and hundreds of others that can help them. One of my most favorite conversations is to meet with somebody who is stuck in their grief and who says, I haven't had any signs from my loved one. And I will spend 5, 10, 15 minutes talking about all the signs Quentin has sent us And when I share that, I can't help but get giddy and share from a place of awe and gratitude and reverence. And that process of sharing from that place of love and gratitude changes the vibration. It changes the energy between you and I. And then they begin to talk and they say, well, there was this one time where something really strange happened. And I'll tell them, (laughs) I know what that is. That's your son. That's your daughter Mm -hmm. paying you a visit. Mm -hmm. You just told me it was so strange. It had never happened before. You didn't know what to think of it. I know what that is. Now it's up to you to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. for what it is Mm -hmm. and to own it. That's your daughter giving you a sign. Mm -hmm. Your daughter's alive and well, just not here. Are you willing to own that? See... Samson, this is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. This is the crux of this conversation today. This is what I want people to know. And I came through this through the transition, not death, transition of my son. And I've talked to dozens, if not hundreds of people who've had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. What I want people to know is there is no death. And I'm coming to you not from a place of scripture. I'm coming to you from a place of practical experience and, and fellowship in and talking and connecting with others.
0: We are energy, Ernie. Yeah, exactly. right. We are energy. That energy doesn't, doesn't leave. We've spent so much time talking about the side of uh, being tied to the soul that transitions, right, Ernie? But we haven't spoken about the other side. Right. Tell um, us about
1: that. The system does a magnificent job of keeping people apart, hmm. the insurance companies, the police—they, I mean, it's it's systematic. They did a very effective job of making sure we could, we could not connect with one another. We wanted to connect with Amanda within a year, um, if not sooner. I remember talking to uh, the the chief investigator. And he, he says, well, you know, I've got a very high success rate of getting the maximum sentence for the people who have committed crimes like this.
0: Mm. She was looking at... Ma- he, ma- was,
1: he was looking at, you know, to get... Or there were three charges. Against Amanda. Right. Yeah. And he says, we, I get maximum penalties for something like this. I'm very successful. And, and my wife and I hadn't really talked about it. It had been a year. But I, I looked to my wife and I declared... And I said, we don't want her to have any jail time. Wow. And he didn't know how to take that. I, (sighs) there's so much I'm not saying, Samson, but I was. I'm I'm
0: about to, I'm about to cry right now, Ernie. This is, this is, this is really hitting me, man. This is really, really hitting me. Wow. What a, what a, I mean, that's, that's like, that's probably one of the most profound things I think I've ever heard in my life. What you just said there. We don't want her to have any jail time. I mean, uh, the level of uh, the soul and, and sheer humanity and what you just shared there, man, I just don't think I'll ever hear anything to that level.
1: Well, Samson, think about it this way. We've just been through hell. We've been through hell. We're going through hell. Yeah. She's going through hell. And I know she's going through hell. Absolutely. That's the sentence.
0: Sitting behind bars yeah. is isn't going to help. They talk about this with... Um, this is interesting with, with uh, drug addicts. Drug addicts are already, they're, you know, there's a, they're in a state of pain, which is causing most of them to go abuse drugs and, and, right. and check out like that. And then you're going to th- lock them up and throw them. It's just pain on pain. Yeah, exactly.
1: By the time we finally met in person, which was one year and 51 weeks after
0: the accident, there was more than one video out there. Wait, you said almost so almost two years before you saw her in person? Right. Okay, so wait, Ernie. Can, let's, I want to make sure we paint <laughs> this picture. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about what it's like. You guys are physically in the same space for the first time in almost two years. Talk to us about that. What is that like? We had already declared. And the process, you know,
1: you talked to your victim's advocate, and we declared with them verbally, we have to do a victim's advocate statement.
0: What's that for the people that don't know? I don't know what that is. We
1: needed to put our perspective on word and declare in a written word that we forgive Amanda. We don't want her to have any jail times. Wow. Yeah. So this was out there at that, that one year, 51 weeks later, standing in the court, everybody has access to this. Mm-hmm. We walk in the door. People don't know how to take us.
0: Are they just in disbelief? You're saying that you're not going to press anybody, charges. Anybody, yeah. Yeah. anybody
1: there, everybody there, Knew us, knew of us, knew our position, saw our statement. They did not know how to take us. I felt like red carpet was rolled out. Amanda walks in. I don't recognize her. This woman has been through hell. Mm. She's lost a considerable amount of weight. She's got bad acne and got a Mm. bad case of bronchitis. I did not recognize her when she walked in. Wow. I got up and I had the opportunity to address the court. They had my statement. So I spoke very briefly about, we've been through this. We're forgiving Amanda. We don't want her to have any jail time. Saying
0: this right to the judge. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: This has opened us up and taught us things. And I trust it's doing the same for Amanda. And Amanda stood up and got a chance to address the court and share how she had changed for the better. So she's given 10 days And the judge spent, he spent, I swear, at least 15 minutes explaining why she was going to get time. He wanted her to know that she was paying her debt to society from that limited perspective. She's going to leave there immediately to serve her 10 days. She's saying goodbye to her family. We asked permission to see her was the assistant prosecutor and the victim's advocate, they looked at each other and like, what? Because mm. like I said, the system is meant to keep us apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they said, okay, we'll ask if she's open to that. She was. Wow. So we waited patiently for her to finish with her family because she's saying goodbye and she's going to serve 10 days. And she saw us. She walks out with her hand out. And I wrap her up and i said amanda we've been worried about you and i squeezed her and she went and we exchanged information right there yeah wow what a moment christine and Cheyenne got to embrace her as well and it was at that moment that christine was able to forgive
0: prior to that she was hanging on right yeah yeah uh, wow. she's a human being to be
1: so at peace this is the conversation the thought that's being downloaded into me to be so at peace that when struck your first reaction is to say brother what's wrong mm.
0: you don't just default in that place ernie that that takes work to get to that place doesn't it well that that takes
1: being yeah. cracked open by a tragedy yes. and being willing to download so I'm reading
0: the be, word. Because, because you could be the next man that sort of hides out in a basement with a whiskey bottle. Right.
1: And I was all ready to do that. I was curled up in the corner five days after the accident, ready to go down that path when a medicine man met with a member of our support team and shared, the little boy sent me to find you. This is a friend of ours Okay, that the medicine man came to. Wow. He came to her in the lobby of the Merritt Courtyard and grasped her hands and said, I've just finished performing a ceremony that little boy sent me to find you. And it was at that moment that I realized that it pierced my consciousness.
0: Mm.
1: My son's not dead. Mm.
0: My son loves us so much that he got word to us that he's fine. (sighs) Man. That's beautiful. So the last thing I want to make sure we touch on this, because I think this is, this is, relatable i think for the listeners when you're ready to forgive but the people close to you they're bitter about it and they're saying how could you forgive when you didn't want to press charges you said people were flabbergasted that you didn't want to press charges right
1: you know what at the end of the day and this is the easy part for me um you know i'm 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 not easily swayed by the opinions and thoughts of others I'm not,
0: I mean... I. But it's bad energy, though, is what I'm saying. I mean, yes, you're going to do what you're going to do. Absolutely. It's not like you're going to be like, I forgive, wait. You don't think it's okay to forgive? Okay, I'm not going to forgive. Not that, but just, I just don't want that energy coming. If I've had my healing process, Ernie, this is just me. Mm -hmm. Just please, like, I've had my healing process. Don't bring that energy to me. Don't do that. I know exactly what you're
1: saying. And, and, And ultimately you have to pick and choose what you subject yourself to. If you've got people bringing you down, I don't care who they are, I don't care if they're family or friend, you know what, if they're bringing you down.
0: You need to distance yourself, is that what you're gonna say? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've lived it. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, we all carry those kind of bags, don't we? I mean, and the ones in the circle cause us the most pain. I know. You know, and and I've got people in the circle that I had to say, nope, Mm -hmm. we won't be talking again. Just because you family don't mean I got to talk to you. Absolutely. If you cause me so much pain every time I see you. So to answer the question, yeah. if if something happens to you and opens you up and, and, and gives you that higher mindset and there are people around you that want to pull you down, I'm sorry. But to quote you, you've got to distance yourself. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. would you subject yourself mm-hmm. to somebody who's trying to hurt you? Mm hmm. Who's mm-hmm. trying to hurt you spiritually? Amen.
0: Why? Amen. Amen. Trying to prove you're tough? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it gets a little dicey, Ernie, because you could be a loving person, but then you got to protect yourself, right? So so those two things can clash. Are you with me? Like you're a loving person, but you also have to protect yourself. So probably more so. Well, continue to be a loving person. Yeah.
1: And, and, and you know, that's that old saying, you know, um, was it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool, Fool me. me twice, shame on me. Very true. You continue to be a loving person. If if people are repeatedly taking advantage of that, mm-hmm. you've got to remove yourself. And, and do it from a place of love. Not anger. Yeah,
0: that's huge right there, man. Because the thing to do is have all this bitterness. Like, all right, you're out of my life and, and have bitterness around that. And to do that from a place of love, yeah, that's got, what I'm trying to get yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. nothing
1: but love for you, but we can't talk because you dampen yeah. my soul. Yeah. But I wish you the
0: best. That's beautiful. Ernie, God bless you, man. Thank you so much for coming, man. I think this was an amazing conversation. And I think that there's plenty of wisdom to be gained out of this episode. I'm excited to share with people.
1: Thanks for having me on, Samson.
0: My man. All right. God bless you, Ernie. Thank you. God bless. See you guys next episode. Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like, and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now, and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting connectionismagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, please stay connected.